As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome to the latest edition to Hear That Podcast Grounds, presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. Pauline, Jr., Jay Morrison here, The Athletic, working for you. Jay, what's going on? Hey, back home, um, settling back in. I was I was feeling kind of worn down by the, the, the travel back after a long week in L.A., and then I, I see that our good friend Mo Egger took a red eye after the game, and I just feel like I... I can't complain anymore. I was also not so happy with the logistics in LA, but then you see what Mo Egger went through. And again, don't feel so bad anymore. So I'd like to thank Mo for making me feel a little bit better about the LA experience. Yeah. We have a interview in the can that you're going to hear a little bit uh, here on the, on the episode of course with Mo as we'll talk to him about his tweets and we'll talk about the Super Bowl and his experience. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Great to catch up with him. As always, our, our last run with him for a while here. Um, we're we're going to kind of just do one last round of sort of secondary thoughts uh, on the Super Bowl, on on some big picture stuff that it means. We'll talk to Mo um, in depth about some stuff on all of that, too. And then we're going to take our first look at the offseason, just give you a glimpse um, of, of sort of the path back or the next steps in, in where we see some of that landing. Just a, a, a cursory first look will, of course, as we are one to do here at The Athletic, go much, much deeper on a lot of these topics. Um, but we, we just want to kind of hit the broad brush on them uh, before we go really moving on. You know, the, the next couple of weeks, you have the team doing cleaning out their lockers today and um, – final meetings they'll you know your sort of exit interviews with the coaches and then they will head out and disperse and players won't really be back until april um and in the meantime you will have we're only jay we're only a week and a half away from the combine it's just ridiculous <laughs> um and so the combine is coming up here at the beginning of march and the free agents the free agency period the beginning of the new league year is starts uh in mid-march really you can start it's probably gonna start really get going about march 14th so 
right around the corner. We're a month away from the the full thrust of of free agency and right into the draft. So it's gonna it's a quick turnaround. Everybody's gonna uh, kind of on a swivel here. If those of you that have been so focused on this special Bengals run, it moves forward now. Uh, so we of course are gonna be getting right into that once we take a little bit of a break for ourselves because um, we're burnt to a crisp. <laughs> There's and no way how. around it. That was a long ass season, Jay, <laughs> and there was a lot happening these last uh, six weeks. And uh, so we've been through it. We're going to take a little bit of break to recharge here, and uh, we'll be right back into the thick of it for you. Um, but let's let's jump into this uh, news. You know, the team had their post game party over at Poly Pavilion. Nelly showed up. Which is great. Nelly, of course, Kid Cuddy was there. Of course, I mean, I'm no surprise. Joe Burrow's boy, Kid Cuddy, and uh, they, and it was it was cool. You know, the, the team gave every staff member had basically the ability to have four tickets, and they flew a bunch of people out there, friends, family, and you know had that party for all of them. And so it's not just the players, you know, doing that. It's really for everybody that's been a part of that from a team side. Um, and it looked like a really, you know, from the videos that popped up, uh, an awesome event and a, and a fun deal there for them. And they hopped on a flight uh, Monday, uh, just as we did. Theirs was a little bit better accommodations. They had the the direct charter back to Cincinnati. Um, and they land and they had, you know, Probably it looked looked to be about over a thousand maybe people waiting for them at the gates at Paul Brown Stadium, which was really cool. Signs, music, flags, you know, and and you saw the videos of people as they pulled up, and you know some of the players coming out and high fiving and saying thank you and all of that stuff. A really cool scene, and I think what you'd ex- what you expect from this fan base when you consider what they have been how they have supported during the run. I don't know. I honestly don't remember if I said it in the walkout, but I I thought I expected a lot of people to go out to LA for the Super Bowl. I expected to see a lot of Bengals the way they have traveled really over the years, but certainly during this run, I expected it. It, it was still far more than I expected. They were a real presence on in that game. And there was just so many people, out there supporting. I mean, and then we fly back, Jay, and I land at CVG mm. at about <laughs> 10 something. There were about 10,000 Bengals fans waiting for their bags and walking through. I mean, it was every single, you just see Bengals gear all over every airport you go to. Uh, it was uh, qu- quite a showing by this rejuvenated fan base, man. It's uh, there, There's something special cooking in, in the love for the, that, that existed for this team. Yeah, the uh, it was kind of like Tennessee the morning after, where the the who days were a lot more hungover and just kind of who day, um, uh, where people were still greeting each other, but a little sad. I I thought the the thing at Paul Brown Stadium with that many people waiting for him was really cool, and it, it, not just the players. Zach Taylor came out and waved to him and grabbed a fan's phone and took a selfie with some of the fans. And we've seen him do that at bars. A, a lot of teams, it's kind of lip service that they pay to the fans. I think this team has a, a real genuine appreciation for this fan base um, and, and what they've helped them do this year. And, and it, it's, it's both. It's the fans having this appreciation for the team, bringing them back. And then the, the, the team, Really thankful for the the fans giving them a home field advantage and, and jumping on board and making this this playoff run even more special. I just I did I, I thought that was a a really cool scene, and the the one thing about 
the 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 post Super Bowl party for the losers. It's such an awkward situation because you you deserve to party. You you deserve to let off some steam and have some fun. And I know some people are like, well, why are they they lost? Why are they celebrating? And it, it should never be looked at that way. It's never going to be the same kind of party that the winners have. But I, I just I, I don't I don't understand the people that that think it should be a solemn thing and nobody should be smiling or happy i mean you go to any funeral and, and people are happy to see each other and there's there, there's still smiles and some laughs from time to time and not not to compare the loss of a football game to a funeral but it is it is a somber occasion and and i was i was glad to see that that the, the it, like you saw joe burrow kind of doing i don't know if dancing is the right word but he was getting into it when kid cuddy was playing and um i i I was glad that they they got to enjoy that and have their their friends and family there and just kind of having an an overall appreciation for the season even though it didn't end the way they wanted look i don't care what we're talking about football work a work project whatever it is you work your ass off day in day out for God, what are, what is it? Seven months now <laughs> on something, and it comes to and you do and you you reach a special place with it. No matter what happens at the end, like you have a right to sit back and enjoy what you did. You know, no matter what happens, like I, I any, I'm not listening to anybody that's talking about how they shouldn't be enjoying themselves after that game. Give me a break. Give me a break. Right. Okay. Like, just you—you you lost Super Bowl doesn't mean you have to go and and sit and sulk for the next eight months. Like, give me give me a break. Uh, so I, uh, it looked like a looked like a looked like a good scene. I hope they were able to enjoy uh, themselves a little bit because they put in a whole lot of work uh, to to get to that point, and it was uh, and, and did a lot of great things for a lot of people and for the city. So um, that's kind of the wrap up of of where everything is as we stand now. You know, let's. Um, I do want to remind everybody: if you're not a subscriber to the Athletic, uh, we have a new deal going on: uh, one dollar per month for the next six months. So, if you've been thinking about it and you're like, "Oh, the content you guys have, it looks great. I'd love to actually subscribe." The great time to do it: go to theathletic.com/slash/hear-that-podcast-growlin, um, and you can get in on that deal: one dollar per month for the next six months, starting right now. So, hop on over if you want to do that. Of course, I have my column up on sort of the the, the mixed emotions and the complications of of this team and how they processed, uh, you know, pride over what they had done and the unrequited, uh, love of, of knowing that it had just slipped away and, you know, how, how challenging that all kind of was and the, and the aftermath of the game in the tunnels of SoFi stadium, of course, Jay, you have more up on, on, on the, the line and, and, and how that happened to Joe Burrow. Shield Kapadia has a story on, uh, uh, with a quick look at, at some of the line stuff. I mean, across the site, there's all kinds of great stuff coverage from the Rams side. Um, tons of, tons of good stuff up on the site, as you might imagine. And we've got a bunch more coming your way as we get into the off season. So now is a great time to do that as the Bengals try to build back, um, so I was thinking about, I was like, it needs, you know, it's, this is going to be like the encore edition of no donkey. So it's like, it's like part two, right. <laughs> when we talk about the off season of, of needing to build the offensive line back up. So it's, you know, uh, it's, it's no donkeys part two, the undonkeying. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? Like, or we, or, or we need, we, we need like a good, a good, like cheesy sequel names. So if anybody's listening to this and is good with cheesy sequels or can connect it to, you know, judgment donkeys, I don't know what, what, where we would go with like famous sequel names that we could come up with something. But right now I just have the undonkeying, uh, as, as the, the Bengals will start, commence their off season of attempting to fix the offensive line yet again. Um, and so we, we'll have, well, obviously we're going to have a ton on that. I have a good sequel name, but I, it, it, it hit me and then it went away real quick. Cause I was thinking ban the burrows, but cause you know, burrow is another name for a donkey, but the quarterback's name's burrow. So you can't say ban the burrows you can't. if you have a burrow at quarterback. No, you can't. No, it, it's it's kind of fitting, and there's probably an answer in there somewhere. And so, if any, anybody, uh, ha, we always, you guys always come through whenever we ask you. So, if you have any idea for a good sequel to uh, to to no Don- to the No Donkeys movie of last year, uh, that that hopefully ends better, uh, you know, let, let me know. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. Secondary thoughts beyond offensive line. Obvious. You know, it's funny. You know, we go through the airport and you talk to this person, you talk to that person, and everybody wants to talk about the team. Like, ah, the offensive line, right? Yes. Yes, yes, that's that's the problem. There are there are blind children in Bulgaria who know the offensive line is the problem on this team. We we know that. Let's move on for a second and 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 go beyond the obvious. What any any secondary Super Bowl thoughts that stand up stand out to you as we kind of you know get a little further away from it? Um, you know, not there's no obvious need like there is with with O line. But I, I just keep going back to – and it, it happened all year and they were able to overcome it, but just they weren't great in the red zone. And that, that really hurt them. That, the, the pick right after the T. Higgins touchdown, um, they couldn't do anything with that. And then the, the, the long bomb to Jamar Chase and they get down first and 10 at the 11 and uh, settling for a field goal there. It's just – those are the ones that – really kind of stand out you wrote about the five straight with no points um and, and the first time that happened all year and that was a huge moment in that game but um may, maybe that those moments aren't as big or that that series is not as big if if they can turn one of those those other opportunities into a touchdown it, it just it felt with the way that Matthew Stafford was making picks and they couldn't run the ball anyhow that if if they could get that two score lead they could really kind of 
put that game away. It didn't feel like the Rams were built to to come back from two scores down, and they they just couldn't get it there uh, because the, those two opportunities they had they said they settled for field goals. Yeah, really an underrated play in this game, and it would have been a, a tough catch. But you know that's kind of what that guy is. I mean, T. Higgins not being able to hold on to that ball in the red zone in that first trip. Um, you know, again, it would have been a tough catch. It was a physical catch, but we've seen TB the king of mm-hmm. uh, those types of catches all year. You know, how different is the game if that's seven instead of three? I mean, well, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you could look at it Here's distinctly and say they're up eight. <laughs> I mean, uh, but it, it changes the dynamic of everything, and, and that's a big part of it. And you're right, you know, the, they were so good early in the season in the red zone, and it just never refound itself. And that cropped back up on them, uh, certainly in this game. You're, you're exactly right about that. And that's another thing that you've got to look into. Why was that? You know, how much of that was? I think a lot of that goes back to, you know, you're going to have trouble with tight windows down there, especially when another team can get pressure on you. When you get out in the red zone, you need to be able to get yards on the ground. That needs to not be a give-up yep. play. That needs to to not be – something you're just hoping for that needs to be a mentality when you get down there that you can out physical people you know when they when they're at their best in the red zone this year I think a lot of it did have to do with they were able to spring Joe Mixon a little bit and and get some yards and get some touchdowns on the ground I mean he had what was it what was that streak what did it did it end at nine straight games with a touchdown and he had like four or five straight with multiple touchdown runs I mean when they were really rolling down there most of it had to do they were springing mixing and they just weren't really able to do that anymore and 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 it did come to back to bite them as, as they got down there and and couldn't make any anything happen yeah especially when you get in the low red zone where you're running more power and it, it is it, it's less about scheme and more about man on man and the physicality you mentioned and they just they didn't have the line to do that i mean you saw that on the third and one, even though it was P Ryan instead of Mixon. He, I don't know if they Mixon runs that same play if he if he gets that because Donald just tosses Adenogy aside and he's right there to make the stop. And you you you've got to have guys that can at least give you some sort of crease, some sort of push to to be effective in the run game in those situations. And the the tight windows is a part of it as well. You mentioned the 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 T Higgins. I don't know if you want to call it a drop, but the the one that would have been a tough catch at the goal line, I've I've seen the replay of that, and it was, I mean, Jalen Ramsey tugging and stretching his shirt afar, not to go back to relitigate the officiating in this game, but it was another example of something they let go early and then far less grabbing really of any sort for Logan Wilson, and, and they called that one. It was, they're, they're, I, I get where a lot of fans are uh, upset with the the way that game kind of the way they called the game kind of flipped in the final two minutes. Yeah, well, there's yeah, that, that's that, that's my takeaway on the officiating is I think every, I think there were equally bad calls in all directions, but the the way that the way that all of a sudden they changed the way they officiated it in the last minute and a half was was really I think the the most egregious part and. I personally don't think there was holding on Logan Wilson, and you can wonder how differently things are, or and you wonder how you miss a false start where everybody moves and the ball doesn't, uh, 
you know, though you wonder how different things feel if they get that right, but they didn't. They didn't. You still had to find ways to win, and and it's tough to swallow. And it's one of those that people will replay in their heads, and I'm I'm sure is frustrating. It, it, officiating is always going to be imperfect. You you know you hope it's not egregious. Um, you could argue that the false start thing was maybe the most egregious miss of all of them, uh, but you know it's still they still had opportunities to overcome it. And the thing is, all of you Bengal fans out there listening, it, take your opinion out of it and take the Rams fans' opinion out of it and just look at the number of analysts and, and players on other teams that were mentioning that too, that, that were watching it just kind of analytically without a rooting interest. And, you know, Tony, Tony Dungy for one, where there was a lot of head scratching about about the way they changed the the way they officiated the game. You just you can't do that. You it, it's got to be consistent all the way. It's you see it in basketball sometimes too where they let them play and then they start calling tight fouls. It's just that's going to drive people crazy that that aren't even rooting that are just wanting to see a good game. Yeah. Um let's let's, let's you know, the thing is that we look at now is I always laugh at you know, to the winners go the narratives. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's the way everybody has already been like it's already looked at like, oh, the Bengals got lucky to even be there and the Rams and the stories and Aaron Donald and Matt Stafford should be in the Hall of Fame and and like all of these things. And, and you know, it was like one one play away from the Bengals being on their side. And I it always just it always astounds me how quickly it goes to these guys are great and those guys were totally lucky and we may never see them again. Uh, you know, when, when something goes that way um, and just how, how quickly every, and that you can't, that's just what happens. That's, that's what the media does. Um, and, and that's, I think why a lot of you guys like our lo- the local shows that you have here, you know, you're not going to get that, you know, you're going to get the proper perspective here. Um, but it's funny just to see that and how, uh, how stark it is in just flipping everything with well, the Rams were always great. And the Bengals were always lucky. And, and that's just exactly what it was. And I, I, you know, I don't, I don't tend to, to necessarily view it that way, but you know, it's to the winners go the narratives. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, the way it's going to be and the, the the Bengals have a, a a chance to to kind of flip it next year and and get back and and write their own narrative you know there's not it's it's very hard to to do everything has to break right and it it, it didn't this year they, they did overcome a lot of things but the, the health and, and so many things did go their way but schedule is going to be a lot harder next year Everybody's going to be gunning for them as a Super Bowl team. It's you're you're going to have new pieces in place in that offensive line. You're, you, how long does it take for that to gel? They, they'll they'll have a chance to rewrite their own narrative next year. But right now, you just they just have to kind of kind of swallow it and and watch the Rams celebrate and go on this this victory lap over i guess they'll be having a parade here in the next two days and everybody's gonna be singing their praises uh leading up through the combine and free agency and otas all the way up into training camp next year let's talk a little bit about super bowl losers okay uh because this has kind of been a common theme that people have looked at over the years about okay you lose the super bowl and it seems like there's always this there's something there. There's a reason why it seems year in, year out, you see 
teams really struggle and fall off after. Jay, you look kind of in the long run of it. You know, are, can you get back? What are, what are the? How do you get back? Uh, what you? I know you've got stats on it. I do. I I, I went. I started in 1994 because I it was so that that Bills run from 90 to 93 where they went to four straight that was kind of an outlier what is an outlier nobody's done that before so I started in 94 so the last 25 Super Bowl losers and I'm not counting the more recent ones because I'm giving them a five year window to get back so uh, the the last 25 teams that have had a chance to get back within five years 19 of them didn't do it the the and the only the only six that made it back within five years after losing a super bowl four of them were patriots three of them led by tom brady and then the uh 96 patriots that lost to the packers got back in 2001 right at the edge of that five-year window completely different team with brady and a new head coach but in belichick but yeah that's that's it the of the six who got back four were patriots one was the Rams team that just beat the Bengals because they lost in 2018. And then the only other one that, to do it was the 2015 Broncos. They got blown out by the Seahawks in 2013. And they came back two years later and and won that game against the Panthers. So it is, it is very hard. It, 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 everything has to break right for you to, to get to a Super Bowl. And it just feels like... Yes, it's hard for the winners to get back because every the, they've got the the prototypical bullseye on their chest. What everybody talks about it, they're, it's everybody's Super Bowl playing them the following year, and and maybe the the hunger goes away once you have the title. It doesn't go away, but you don't. It's not as it's not as great once you win the title. But it it really feels like losing the Super Bowl makes it even harder. Even if you have a young team like the Bengals that's built to last or looks like it's built to last, it's just. It's, it's so emotionally sapping. And so it, they, you heard the players talk about it. this team will never be the same again. Even though you've got all these great key pieces coming back, there's, it's going to be a different group of guys. There's changes every year and just trying to recapture that everything that went into that Super Bowl run is really hard to get back the following year or ever. Yeah, let's look recently. You know, when when you look back just through the recent history, you know, you've got Kansas City last year, San Francisco the year before that, the Los Angeles Rams lost to the Patriots. Uh, you had New England losing to Philadelphia, continue to go backwards. You had um, Atlanta losing in the up twenty eight to three heartbreaking uh, Super Bowl. You had Carolina losing to Denver and Von Miller. Uh, in in the Super Bowl, and it's interesting because Kansas City got back to the conference championship this year. San Francisco, it took two years. They 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 didn't. They had a bad year the next season, went six and ten, and then they were in the conference championship this year. I mean, they were a Jaquiski tart inner you know catch away from being the opponent for the Bengals in the Super Bowl here. So you know they get back pretty quickly. You know the Rams the year before that losing to the Patriots. Well, we know what happened with them. That was three years, but they're back, and they've been in the mix every year. They've been right there every year. You Before that, you had New England. They won the Super Bowl the next season uh, with Tom Brady. Before that, you had Atlanta. They went to the playoffs the next year, and then they fell off. Carolina, they had one winning record since that, that Super Bowl that they went to, and they went to the playoffs and lost in the wild card round. 
and that's it. That's all, that's all that's happened. So I, I think it's like a lot of things in the NFL. I don't think it determines as much as we think it does. I think I, you know, there's ex- a lot of examples of success and teams sustaining success and continuing to take advantage of those shots. It's, but it's luck. It's luck the way the Bengals were lucky to, in a lot of ways to get here. And it's luck the way they had bad luck in some of those good Marvin seasons and, and other things where they, they didn't get here. It, uh, so much of it is just about some breaks going your way. To, to get there, and, but sustained success gives you more chances of it, and a guy like Joe Burrow certainly gives you more chances of that. But I look back at these last four years, and I say, look, these these teams have stayed in the mix. These these they've been in the mix, they've gotten their chances. You know, you, that's all you can ask for. Be there, be be playing in the conference championship weekend, be winning divisions, doing those things that set you up to to have a chance for a thing a, a few breaks to fall your way and get yourself back. So I. I don't look at it as some sort of death nail. There are certainly a lot of examples of it falling apart and, and, and there being no guarantees, but I think that's the case no matter what you're filtering your search as. Super Bowl loser, Super Bowl winner, team that picked eighth in the draft, like pick, picked first, well, whatever it is, you know, there's, it's, it, it just, this league changes so quickly. And I, I, I don't think, I could be wrong. You never know. I don't think the Super Bowl loser thing is going to be something that, you know, becomes a defining struggle piece for the Bengals the way the way that they're they're set up because I think there are a lot of recent examples of teams that have picked right up where they left off and found ways to either get back or be right in the mix. Yeah, the, what what you worry about is is kind of the the hangover effect you look you mentioned the 2016 falcons haven't even got close they blew that giant lead um you you went to the 2015 panthers if you go one year before that the 2014 seahawks they've never been back they still have russell wilson they still have Pete carroll they throw that interception on the goal line where it looks like they're going to run marshawn lentz and win a win a super bowl teams that lose a lead in the fourth quarter it makes it even harder to get back and I mean, I, I have to go back. I, I think the Patriots led in the fourth quarter of, of that game. They eventually lost to the Eagles, and then they did come back and win the next year. But you, you do. You wonder about that when you are that close, when you have a lead in the fourth quarter, and you can almost taste it. You can envision yourself raising the Lombardi trophy, and then you you blow that lead. That, that I think that just adds to the difficulty of, of getting it back rolling again and, and getting back to where you were. I mean, the Seahawks have had five double-digit win seasons since then. They've they've won a couple of division yep. championships. They've they've made it into the playoffs. But you're right; it's they they haven't made it all the way back since then. Despite having so many, they've kind of had a couple different versions of rebuilds since then. And that that happens. Like, there's cycles of this stuff with everything, and you can't quit. And I'll go back to you know uh, before in the in the week the week off between the Super Bowl week and, and the Kansas City win, we, we did that scouts episode. And we and, and so much of what they were saying was there's there's not a feeling of we made it here. You know, one bad offseason and and we can fall apart. And we understand that that we have some big holes in front of us. And there's, you know, the fact that that they felt like even in the, in that moment that they had big holes in front of them that they needed to fill was really a driving force of there's no sense of made it. Of, of we're here. They, they still feel like they're in the middle of a rebuild. And that was a very real sense for them before they even played the Super Bowl. It was a, and, and an understanding of the work that they have in front of them. And I think they view that as exciting. 
you know, to go through the third phase kind of of this of turning this roster and, and closing up those last few holes that remain with the money um, that they have. All right, let's just take a quick break. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get to Mo Egger um, and and talk talk through a little bit more of this thing. And when we come back, we'll kind of take that first glance at the offseason free agency and 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 what the Bengals' direction will be. But first, let's talk about tweets with our guy, our good friend Mo Egger. I won't ask you to go into detail of your experience <laughs> in Los Angeles. People that would like that probably could have listened to yesterday's radio show or just hung out near any ice chest uh <laughs> but how how was how was the super bowl game experience uh for for you mojo we'll start there we'll start off the field awesome yeah. uh, you know the results of the game notwithstanding uh phenomenal the it just everything you thought it would be you know and it, it was it was so interesting um it's one of those games where you say, I want to get there in plenty of time. I want to, I want to go into the stadium early. A, you don't know logistically how hard it's going to be. B, you just sort of wanted to make sure you were there to take it all in. And it was, it was interesting because I sat close to a lot of Bengals fans and I sat with three of my buddies and there was a time, maybe 30 minutes before kickoff, right when stuff is starting to happen on the field where you could tell, a lot of people were sort of like having a moment, man. Like I looked over and a friend of mine had tears in his eyes. And I, I frankly kind of did the same thing because it was, we're here. We made it. We got here. Um, it was really, it was really, really cool. And <clears throat> at least where I sat, which was in the 400 level, looking down on the Bengals end zone, uh, an extraordinarily cool place to watch a football game. Um, the fans near us, even though we had Rams fans right behind us, it, it was great. I mean, they were awesome. We, we were having fun with them. They were having fun with us. But there was just this sense for a lot of us of, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're here. And then, and then the game started. And for the first half, you're sort of like in that mode of, holy crap, the Bengals are playing in the Super Bowl. And then there's the halftime show. And then you got to the second half, and it's sort of like, okay, a championship's going to be decided. And it's going to be amazing. Uh, if they win, but yeah, it was the game experience itself was uh, second to none. And the beer wasn't as expensive as I thought. And the concession stand lines were extraordinarily well run. So pretty much had everything. 
SoFi is a a pretty awesome place. I mean, yeah. it's good. It's good to know that five billion dollars will still build you something. <laughs> <laughs> SoFi still, is still great. place. Yeah. Now I can tell you in the area around SoFi, it's so poorly labeled and so poorly marked that if you happen to go down the wrong road <clears throat> on a normal SoFi game day, you could walk around the perimeter of the stadium with all the crap they have up for Super Bowls. You can't do that. And so if like me. You went down the wrong road, and then in the heat, you got stuck, and it was a mess, and some of us may have had heat stroke, but um, that part was brutal, but the the stadium, the in-game experience itself, the in-stadium experience itself was was second to none. You know, about 30 minutes before kickoff, I had tears in my eyes, too, because I was locked in a stairwell wondering oh. if I was going to miss kickoff. I, I went up <laughs> to visit some friends, and they were one – one level above me and I went up the stairwell. I went out the stairs, um, talked to them, went back into the stairwell. I came from and went back down and the, the door to the press box was locked. So I thought, well, that's weird. So I went back up to the next level. Well, that one was locked too. Oh, it was, it was just open a few minutes before when I walked out of it. Uh, so I had to go all the way down to the bottom and then find an elevator and come all the way back up. And I did make it in time for kickoff. Um, you talked about the the in game experience. What about post game? What was it like walking out? Because we've seen all these rowdy scenes after the Tennessee game, the Kansas City. Obviously, Bengal fans weren't rowdy, but was it just quiet and somber among the Bengal fans, or was there kind of an, a, an appreciation for for what had happened the whole season? I, I think there was a sense of one got away more yeah. than anything else. There there were a lot of you know, especially if like you're you're walking out and you saw somebody you knew this what are we doing on third and one <laughs> you know um no. <clears throat> just since it, it was more it, it, i mean th- there wasn't anger th- this wasn't walking out of paul brown mm-hmm. stadium after losing 38 to 7 uh to have the season record fall to two and eight th- this was hey this is cool that we were here but i think i just watched the bengals let one get away and um that was i thought the prevailing mood <clears throat> outside of just having to endure the nonstop chance of who's home Rams home. Like never tell me again that who days a dumb cheer. Okay. Who's ho- who's house Rams out. I give, ah, but anyway, yeah, there was just this sort of um, people just sort of walking out in disbelief. Like they were this close. They were this close to winning a title. We almost saw this team hoist the Lombardi trophy and they didn't. And oh man, you know, there was, talking about officiating and play calling and the offensive line and just this holy crap in spite of all that they almost still won it wasn't sadness it wasn't anger it was just i don't know what the right word is but it but it was there was that um along with people being confused about where they go uh, but that that for a lot of us that was i mean i exchanged a lot of looks with people that were just like Samaj P. Ryan right at Aaron Donald, huh? That's okay. Yeah. There was that. There was a lot of that. Yeah. I, I was going to start there, you know, to officially read your tweets because uh, be, it would be sad if we didn't. Um, you know, and it is. You said, I just don't know about the two third and fourth, third and one, fourth and one sequences. And it's hard not to go back to that because. You know, you you start with the play to Jamar and then a quick one to Boyd and you're at midfield and you're cruising and it's like, it's Burrow. 
It's Burrow's yeah. gonna Burrow's gonna just to add to the degree of difficulty. He decided to basically bust up his knee, and he's gonna hobble his way to <laughs> to trying to win uh, to win a Super Bowl. And here he goes. He's doing it right, and and then all of a sudden, there's just like three things that all made you scratch your head. Now, granted, a lot of that goes to what the Rams were doing, but. The, the Samaje P. Ryan thing is is this, right? Okay. People are going to say, all right, you're, you, they think you're on the move. You've still got your receiving, running, your pass blocking running back in there. And if you watch some of the pass block sets from Mixon during the day, there's some that make sense of P. Ryan being in there. I mean, Mixon, he, had Mixon some graded issues. extraordinarily poorly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was yeah. definitely some, some rough moments for him trying to pick up blitzes and things that they were doing. So that's fine. So on after the deep incompletion, are you going to sub him out? Uh, sub out P. Ryan and make it, oh, well, look, I guess they're going to a run. Are you trying to catch him with a little bit of surprise element with that play? I think. The gut reaction that everyone had is the same, and it's that don't overthink it. Don't overthink yourself. No, they're going to say they're putting Joe Mixon in because he's good and they want to have that threat. You know what I mean? And yeah. and when you give it to P. Ryan on third and one when you're talking about season on the line stuff, you overthought it. You know? You, you've, you've, you've overthought mm-hmm. it. Like, just, just, just put Joe Mixon in. Like, he, he, I, I, we can't. At a certain point, you got to go down with the guys that got you there, and and that's not Pirine. Yeah, it, it was for me not too dissimilar from the San Francisco game. You know where we talked about you, you took the ball out of your best guy's hands against forty nine against the forty ers and you went down without the best guy having a chance to to have a, a say in how the game turned out. I mean, they got to they got to midfield, and I think all of us were in the same place. All right, very least, this thing's going to OT. Right. McPherson, you got him in your back pocket. You can get into the uh, fringes of most normal kickers field goal range. It's a climate controlled space. If you need uh, Evan from 55 out, you've got that. You can use that. So that was my thinking on second and one to get the first down. And I know there's a school of thought that says there's your chance to take a shot. Man, I don't know. I I just get your first down, you got timeouts, then go from there. But okay, fine, you took your shot. On third and one, Samaj P. Ryan running right at Aaron Donald. That's that's the play. Um, and it just, the game was bookended by, I love them going forward at midfield early in the game, go win the Super Bowl, do it on offense. But you just wonder how the game unfolds if there's a different play call or if they punt. I mean, you, you just... You know, who knows? The play call was wide open. <laughs> yes. <laughs> T. Yeah. Higgins is standing all by himself right, right at the first yeah. down marker. Like, you can't yeah. draw it up better than that. So, um, um, and then, you know, on fourth down, I just, and, and I'm, you know, there with my buddies, and, and we all just said, like, spread them out, and even a physically compromised Joe Burrow, just have him, have him charge ahead for a yard. I mean, anything besides the way it unfolded. And that's really easy to say because of how it did unfold. But uh, among all the different things that we're going to replay in our heads for forever, um, I think the third and one running right at Aaron Donald is going to be the one that, that comes up the most. And it certainly is the one that came up the most walking outside of SoFi Stadium. And I imagine you took a red eye flight back to be on the radio on Monday. <laughs> um, I imagine that dominated your calls on Monday still. Well, um, 
on Mondays, it's me and Tony Pike and we're out at Twin Peaks. And so it's not the most caller driven show. Okay. So but I can tell you via social media, you know what what we got the most reaction to was <clears throat> that and officiating. And I don't love talking about officiating and I don't love talking about officiating specifically in a game in which the Bengals scored a touchdown in part because of a bad non call. Mm-hmm. So um, that's not my favorite thing to do. To me, I'm all about the things you can control and you can control the decision to give the ball to Samaj AP Ryan and have him run right at Aaron Donald on third and one. That That is the one that, yes, I think stuck in the craw of most Bengals fans and that we spent the most time talking about yesterday. Yeah, and yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm with you. Like, because there's judgment calls that happen across the board. It, to me, the only issue, if we're the only officiating issue that I would get into is just how does the game switch so dramatically in the last right. minute and a half? How, how it's mm-hmm. fine if you want to come out there and not call a thing. Um, that should be the way that it then is played the last minute and a half, too. That shouldn't all of a sudden change. And it did. I mean, in, in many ways, specifically with, you know, the Logan Wilson call. But I, you're, you're right. I mean, who who got the rawest end of calls on the day? I don't know. I think it was about a toss up. I think it was fine um, because each team kind of had their own gripes. So I, I don't think that it's that. I I agree. It's just that, guy. You know, we go back and and you look through history, and I know there's a lot of fans that don't really even remember or connect or were alive uh, for the first two Super Bowls. But man, how this one blends right in with it, doesn't it? I mean, it's yeah. like it, it's it's games that you felt like you had games that you had right there in your grasp and and let get away three times now. And, you know, I know that we're talking about 40 years ago in terms of 81 and 88. I mean, it's I, I realize that, but it's, it's historically for this franchise being so close, you know, to getting to the end. It's like, man, this one just it it, it fits right in with the other two in its own way. I think what I'm going to remember more than anything about the game being there for the game. Um, Number one would be my buddy sang to me 20 to 16, which was the score of Super Bowl 23. The Bengals were up 20 to 16. It's like, is there any shot they're going to win at 20 to 16? (laughs) Wouldn't that be weird? Um, They had four possessions leading after they kicked the field goal. They had four possessions in which they had the ball up by four with a chance to go up two scores and with each with each passing wasted possession, two, three and outs. And then one, I think they ran five plays, <clears throat> excuse me. And then another, I think they got a first down on a run by Mixon behind uh, six offensive linemen. Um, but they basically had four drives in which they did nothing really didn't even flip the field. And with each punt, there was more of a sense of, Either they're going to have to win this game on defense or they're letting this slip away. And so when the Rams got the football for their final drive, I don't want to say there was a sense of inevitability, but there was a sense of you didn't have to be in this position. Now you've got to get a stop. They're going to start throwing the ball to Cooper Cup and nobody else. It looks like they're giving him, giving them everything in front of them, and then they're going to play defense inside the 20 once they get there. There was a sense of where I sat, there was a sense of doom when the Rams got the ball, not because you had distrust in the defense um, and not because you didn't think, God, if they leave some time, Burrow, you know, won't come through. But all those drives where you thought when they got the ball, 
All right, here we go. Let's put together a drive. Let's go up two scores and then take my chances. I'm up two scores in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Go and get a stop. And they're world champions. And so I tortured myself by watching those drives last night. I, I, because I didn't watch, I, I specifically went to those four drives just because I, 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 I wanted to, for some reason that I really am not sure I can articulate. I, I wanted to just sort of go back into that moment and see, man, what could have gone differently. And I thought this in real time. And then I thought it often during about how in sports, you know, you go through a season and you talk about your team's deficiencies and you're always worried that it's going to catch up to you at precisely the worst time. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're a bad free throw shooting college basketball team, when does it come back to bite you in the sweet 16 <clears throat> when you have a chance to salt a team away? If your team has a bad bullpen in baseball, you could spend April, May, June, July, you know, talking about how bad your bullpen is. But man, you you just hope when you're you're clinging to a, a one run lead in uh, in the the eighth and ninth inning of a game in September, it doesn't come back to bite you, and it seemingly always does. Uh, back when we had professional baseball in this country, um, in the NFL, we spent all season talking about this offensive line in less than glowing terms, and just watching those four drives and how the game started to turn back in Los Angeles's favor because you got the sense. They're not going to score again. They can't block these guys. They can't scheme around this mismatch. It was OMG. It's happening. Their offensive line deficiencies, which they've worked around and won in spite of and schemed around and toughed their way past. It's, it's going to catch up to them here. And it did in, in those moments. Uh, I, I might remember those drives, frankly, more than the last one. Because there was your shot. There was your genuine. You were winning the game and you had a chance to put some more distance between yourselves and your opponent. And not only did you not, you didn't, you were feeble. I mean, it looked like those possessions looked like um, Alabama playing New Mexico state in college football, the way Cincinnati (laughs) was just pushed around. You just, you had the sense they're incapacitated. So now defensively, and we were talking amongst each other, like, can we win the game on defense? Can, can, can there be a pick six? Can you get a scoop and score? That, that's what you're going to have to have. Can, can you create a very, very short field with a turnover that puts your team in a position where it almost has to score? And if the answer is no, I don't know how the dam's not going to break at some point. And obviously the dam broke on, on the Rams final, final possession. That was the line we kept using in it, I, you know, Jay and I, I just said it, they're going to need one more turnover. You know, about mm-hmm. right early in the fourth quarter, you could just tell, like at some point, the Rams were going to going to make a drive, and the, the it just didn't look like the offense was going to have the ability to do it. It was just they're going to need one more turnover. They're going to need one more turnover, and uh, and they never got it. Um, they were close to it, but they never got it, and yeah. that's just the reality of what it is, and it kills you. I mean, I you know we talked about it in the walkout, and I wrote about it. I mean. <laughs> They don't go five consecutive possessions without points all season long. Not yeah. once in a single game, not counting kneel downs, did they go a five possession string without points. And yet, with the season on the line to basically win the Super Bowl, it finally catches up to them. It's it's you know it's the type of unbelievable stuff that you shake your head about and is frustrating. But before I let you go, I, I want to tap tap into kind of the other thought of. And I wrote about this, and I just think it's 
I, I, we talk a lot about sports are supposed to be fun, and mm-hmm. and in the process and enjoyment of the process, you know, and you know, you said the run Super Bowl was awesome. The future is very encouraging. Coming agonizingly close to winning a championship and losing it is profoundly disappointing. Was your tweet to end it with tweets? The process here, uh, to me, I, I just feel like you've got to look at what are what are sports supposed to be about for you mm-hmm. as a fan. Are sports for you about winning championships and saying you won a championship and holding the trophy and bragging rights, or is it about the enjoyment that the process brought you? The enjoyment of the season, the enjoyment of the of the trips along the way, of the relationships along the way, of those moments. What what are sports really about? You know, I think to me is is when you when you really start to think, and this is a real like mm-hmm. cuts to the core. This this situation cuts to the core of who you are as a fan, like because it is. It's disappointing. You were right there on the uh, on the doorstep and couldn't do it. And so, to me, and I don't know if you agree. I I I view this as the process of God. That was fun. Oh, that didn't end right, man. You you really wanted sure. to win that, but but you know what? The process of this, it didn't just outweigh it. It was it. You know, it was the ultimate. The journey's more important than the destination event. And I just, you know, I know a lot of fans don't view it this way, and in our society, we don't hear a lot of that. I, I hope that uh, uh, enough fans feel like they've experienced sports that way now. Yeah, I, I think you can do both. Uh, it's still agonizing to kind of relive all the nuts and bolts of the game. Um, but this season was awesome. I mean, it, it, this season, this what the last few weeks have been like, um, I, I hope, I, I think it's easy to feel disappointment, but I, but I hope that doesn't wash away what people watched and observed for certainly the last couple of weeks, um, you know, what's what sports are, are supposed to be about to me are just our fun, our pure fun. And I, I do love how they, you know, they, they bring people together. I said on my radio show, <clears throat> I think last week, um, it wasn't one of the ice chess shows, but <laughs> that most of my friendships have been formed around sports on some level and a number of them around this team. And, I went to that game on Sunday with three of my best friends when T Higgins uh, tore off Jalen Ramsey's face mask and wasn't flagged <laughs> for it and streaked into the end zone with the football. I don't know that I've ever hugged another man as hard as I hugged my buddy. Jason. <laughs> and you know what? In that moment, it was incredible. It was, I mean, his, his beard was like scratching my face. That was a little, it's a little much. Um, I'll never forget. I mean, I remember thinking at the time, like, no matter what happens, the rest of this game, this is awesome. This is to, to walk into the stadium with my buddies and to sit there and think about my dad. I put that on social media. I mean, all those awful games at, at Riverfront and at, at Paul Brown Stadium that he and I went to, this season was the payoff. And to be able to share it. And and honestly, you know, professionally, uh and I, I know I have a unique position. Um, this resuscitated <laughs> why I got into sports talk radio. 
it, it and it really did. It, it rejuvenated me professionally. And I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, there've been so many times I've driven home and gone like, God, I'm so tired of saying the same damn thing. We didn't do that this year's and, and to have different people come to the party and, and want to talk about this team and enjoy it. No, the outcome is not going to wash away any of that for me. You know, it's, it's, um, we got towels at the game. We didn't wave them. Right. So there's, there's my <laughs> holding up my, my the towel I got at the game and I'm still going to get that framed. And yeah, there's a part of me that's going to look at that Super Bowl logo and, and go, God, you know, what if they don't run the ball right at Aaron Donald? But I'm going to look at that more than anything and think about uh, an amazing run, one that galvanized the city, one that put the city in the, in the, in the spotlight, um, one that rekindled some relationships, one that brought new fans to the table, one that might have created a whole generation of Bengals fans. You know, I've always said, like, boy, the 88 team made me a fan for life. How many different people are younger than me were like, well, yeah, the 98 team didn't make me a fan for life. And so instead I became a fan of, you know, the Steelers, the Giants or somebody else. Um, all of those things matter. And yes, losing the championship matters. And I think you're being very fair if you go, God, when are they going to be that close again? Because it is so damn hard to get there. So hard to get just to the point the Bengals were. But um, I... I <laughs> I've ha- I have the 90 Reds and, and the 92 Bearcat Final Four team. And up until this year, that's been pretty much it. And I still love sports. And that wouldn't be the case if my attachment to sports were solely based on winning championships. So there have to be other reasons. And the other reasons manifested themselves this year. I will love this team, uh, the 2021 Bengals, uh, for the rest of my life. And and they could still win a title. And I, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure this team and this experience – uh, not broadcasting next to the garbage can the, and the ice chest necessarily, <laughs> but I, I'm sure uh, that this team will always be um, something that I hold in high regard. I got to watch the Bengals play in the Super Bowl as an adult, and I never thought that would happen. So if you're caught up on it's championship or bust, that's fine. That's not how I'm wired, and I don't think that's how people should be wired, and I hope most aren't. I I, I think it's championship or bust is a okay to way to look at it for if if you if you haven't had one which the Bengals haven't there there's so many people that just give them just give the fans one and then maybe it's more about enjoying the the ride and all the friendships that come with it and i it, it it's i'm with you guys i mean this was just a totally unexpected year and it, it was so enjoyable to cover and watch but i get where the fans are coming from where that that disappointment Maybe it's not championship or bust, but it still feels like something's lacking until they they finally win one, and then maybe you can enjoy kind of all the ancillary stuff that comes with it. I hope that's I hope people do really appreciate it, and, and I think from the scenes from Monday night with that that the throng of people that welcomed the team back uh, to the stadium in the cold, I, I I thought that was a great scene and a great sign that that hopefully is indicative of, of the greater portion of the fan base that, that yes, they are appreciative for everything this team gave them in 2021. Yeah. My, one of my very good friends from college is a diehard Kansas city Royals fan. So in 2014, they lose game seven of the world series with the tying run on third base. I think it was Lorenzo Kane could have scored from third. He holds up Madison Bumgarner shuts him out. <clears throat> one of the great postseason performances ever, and they lose the World Series game seven at home. 
And I remember talking to him. I'm like, dude, the Kansas City Royals were in the World Series. And he's like, yes. And I'll always view it that way. But they've got to go win a World Series first. So the next year they win, beat the Mets in five games. Uh, Johnny Cueto was on that team. So I remember talking to him and he's like, now I can view the San Francisco series with fondness. Now that season, truly the one that sort of rekindled my interest in, in baseball and the Royals. And I watched every game and blah, blah, blah. He's like, now I can look back on how they lost to the giants. And it felt like a necessary step. Right. And I think a lot of us are sort of in that same boat that you, I I think it's fair to, to do two things. A, feel pretty good about their chances of getting back to that game with this quarterback B acknowledge that they've got to do a lot of work uh, to get back there. And they certainly have to improve that offensive line. Um, But also see until they do look back on last Sunday as is that going to be their, their last good chance to win a title. I saw the, the number yesterday, only three of 23 teams since 1990 that have lost the Super Bowl have gotten back. Now that number is skewed because you had the Bills who just kept going back. And but it was uh Kelly's Bills, uh Manning's Broncos, and uh and Brady's Patriots go back within a certain time frame. I think it was five years. There, there's a lot of teams that lose the Super Bowl and they feel like, God, we have all the pieces, we're bringing these guys back, we've got a great quarterback, and you never hear from them again. So we don't know. And so it is agonizing to sort of process how they lost. I think you're being fair if you wonder, is that going to be their best chance? I think you're also being fair if you go, you know what? The future's bright, and so I'm not going to let this totally dismay me the way I did their last postseason loss in 2015 when it felt like the window was closing. But good God, I hope people do step away and just look at the season in a vacuum. Forget what it means for next year. Forget the uncertainty of the future. Just look at the season in a vacuum. How much fun was that, right? How much fun was that? That was... If you go on vacation and it's an awesome vacation and then your flight home gets diverted and you're stuck at a crappy airport for a few hours, did it ruin the whole vacation? Well, if the answer is yes, I think that's a you problem. Don't let the end of the journey um, ruin your memories of most of the journey. And I, I certainly won't. I mean, again, that, that, that season was an absolute blast. But yeah, I can't help but wonder until they get back, are they ever going to get back? And if they do with this, this group of guys and this quarterback, I think then I'll be able to look back at the way they played the Rams and go, okay, like I'm sure if you're a Rams fan, now the Patriots game a couple of years ago is easier to digest. And maybe it feels like a step you had to take, albeit with a different quarterback. Um, maybe we'll be there one day, but yeah, I mean the, the profound disappointment is real, but so is the sense of Holy crap. That was fun. And I'm always going to cherish it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the big red machine, one of the greatest teams of all time, right? I mean, they, they had to knock on the door a few times first, too. Before 70, became, they lose to the right, Orioles, 72, 72, lose to the A's, game seven yeah. at home, Joe Rudy making catches against the wall. They lose to the Mets in 73, Bud Harrelson, Pete Rose. There's, I mean, that's just it. And it's in, in that, and that ends up building to something, you know, even, even greater and one of the most memorable runs of two years of baseball of all time. So it, it, it happens all the time. And in this city, in some of the most rev- the revered 
teams in the history of this city, there's uh, there, there's there's often a build, there's a knocking on the door, and you can get back and and uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens along the way. But you know, it was a a fun ride. It was a fun ride with you, Mo. I, I've I've enjoyed having you uh, on as we've talked through this this year uh, through a, a roller coaster of ups and downs, and talked about your tweets. And uh, it's been it's been fun. Uh, we we should definitely uh, continue to do this as we get into next season and the draft and all kinds of stuff. We should we won't be strangers. I promise you. I'm in. Let me know anytime. All right. Always great to uh, catch up with Mo and and uh, let's 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 kind of shift gears here and let's talk a little bit uh, about the off season. I'll we're gonna get into free agency and some decisions that are ahead of them here in a second. Um, but I want to start. Let's rank positional needs top three for you i I, i'm gonna guess we'll end up the same uh and it's and it's hard because you got to kind of take advantage who your own free agents even are and that's that's part of this but maybe not top three maybe let's do top eight but the top five are offensive line or maybe top seven because top four (laughs) offensive line so we'll go offensive line offensive line offensive line offensive line so give me five six and seven then i guess for you what are the next three um after the 4-0 line mine would probably be cornerback you're you're in good shape with the woozy and hilton but you know trey wayne's uh, I, I think the writing's on the wall there that he's going to be cut. Um, do you re-sign Eli Apple? I, I just they they need more depth there. They need more talent at corner. Um, so I, I've got that one as first after O line, and after that I think tight end. Um, I, we don't know what's going to happen with CJ Uzama, but you know Drew Sample is what he is. He's a blocking tight end. There, there's not really much behind. Mitch Wilcox was good on on special teams, but that, that position's thin and it, you, you just wonder how much more this offense could open up. If you, if you got a dynamic tight end, um, after that, I, I kind of torn between defensive end and defensive tackle. You're getting Joseph Osai back. That's going to be huge. I think they could still use another edge guy. Um, and then D tackle kind of depends on whether they can bring Ogan Joby back or not. Um, and, and Tupo's a free agent and BJ Hill's a free agent. So there's there's a chance where defensive tackle could really be depleted as well. Yeah, I mean, there aren't any three techs. I mean, there are, yeah. <laughs> all the three techs are free agents. So I have that high. I mean, I have I have a, a clear cut. I mean, they have Hendrickson, Hubbard, Osai, Sample, Kareem. I mean, guys that they've drafted, Wyatt Hubert, who knows? We don't even know who he is. Yeah, I mean, they 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 really invested in that the edge last year. I think you're going to count on you know you have your high end in Hedrickson and Hubbard, and you're going to count on your investment last year to develop as your depth pieces there, and you're certainly going to be counting on Joseph Osai to be a thing. You hope that what you saw from him was very real um, in the one preseason game and the Lawrence Taylor of preseason games, and so you're you're I think they're going to bank on that for the most part, the same way we saw them bank on linebacker debt. You know the the previous year investment kind of starting to pay off for them at the edge. But I mean, to me, I look at three tech and the pressure up the middle, even Larry Joby and BJ Hill, who were, were very, who were good, right. Weren't great. I mean, this was not, it certainly was not Aaron Donald or Chris Jones or all these guys they've seen now for a week in and, and, and week out or Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, you, there's a reason that they saw all of those guys in the playoffs because they're, 
game changers for every team. And I think you see that. And you got to be thinking about that. You got to be thinking they need one of those. You know, Ogan Joby and BJ Hill are good and they're nice pieces. Um, and and I, you can clearly win with them and play good defense with them. And they did. But I, I think you got to have an eye on a game changing three tech. You know, I think that's very much in play in the first round for them um, as as some a position you would be looking at when you start talking about the draft. So and I'll put tight end after that. I mean, I, I think they're going to want to get something done with CJ. I mean, you don't know age and concern. He was such a core piece of the energy. He's he's getting yes. old, a little older, so you're not you know, I think there's a deal to be reached there. And, and his main value is here in Cincinnati. So I. I I think they're going to find a way. I would assume a, some sort of probably a drafting of a tight end of the future at some point in the mid rounds is is in the uh, in the cards for them. But I think you could see them putting you know wanting to have CJ back in the mix and kind of running that that position back. So O line, O line, O line, O line, corner, three tech, tight end for me. Uh, corner is the obvious. I mean, you know, Trey Wayne's going to be gone. I we don't. I mean, they they have a hole at number two corner. Um, a pretty significant one and they're going to want more depth there too. So um, I think that's a position that they're going to be looking at. All right, let's, let's do first look cuts. We talked about this. So we, we talked about the Bengals have the most cap space of any playoff team. Uh, they are in the top five overall, you know, cap space is going to be up in the uh, up, up over 50. Well, let's not also forget that they're going to save a bunch of money just on two moves that they can make, and that is the move of Trey Waynes is is a is a big cap clearance. Um, you know the Bengals with fifty seven over the cap has them at fifty seven point three uh, over the cap, but you you add Trey Waynes in that, so fifty seven point three, and then you throw in Trey Waynes, he has a fifteen point nine million dollar cap number. Now cap savings would be about eleven uh, because they take on some dead money there. So. You're now up to 68 million. Okay. Trey Hopkins in the last year of his deal, cap savings, 6 million. Okay. You're up over 70, and that's a lot of money. That that puts you up as much as anybody. Now, every other people are going to make cuts. There's, you know, they're not the only team that's going to be saving money, but those are two pretty significant, obvious moves that I think that you would be making. Uh, under the assumption that you're you're probably going to need to move on at center and find somebody else and, and and try to get younger and stronger at that position and Trey has been great and he's cerebral and so many things that he is um, and, and maybe you could rework some sort of deal bringing him back at a lower price and maybe in a backup role but you need somebody bigger stronger more powerful all of those things you need a, you need a, you need a big time a lot of things on that line and I think that would be part of it so. That gives you just a ton of money, and you got to think of it that way. So, those two moves alone feel now. I don't see any other major cuts on the horizon when you look at their biggest cap hits that could really, you know, bring them some 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 cap relief, some space. You know, you're not going to be moving on Hendrickson, Reader, Mixon, Boyd, Burrow, Bell, Awuzie, Hubbard. Then you get into Chase, Jonah Williams, Hilton. You know, these guys are all not going anywhere. Those are all their right. top cap numbers. So it's really, to me, it's just, it's a, it's a two move situation. Yeah. And you, I mean, you talked about a three tech at 31. I don't know. People, 
Bengal fans might lose their mind if they don't use that first round pick on a on an offensive lineman. But yeah, that, we don't know what's going to happen it, in free agency, though. Right? I mean, exactly. I mean, that's just yes. I mean, is is this what's your fix? Last year it was free agency for the defense and draft for the offense. Is it this year? How about get some proven guys and pay them? Yep. And then start putting some youth into your defense that's a little, that's gonna age out in a couple of years, right? I mean, infuse some experience up front and put some youth on the back end of your defense. To me, flipping the script of last year in terms of allocation, and maybe that's making it too broad, you can do both. But in terms of fixing the line, get proven dudes, get proven reliable guys up there now, investing draft picks. I don't want to have to do this again. I'm going to do it. They stink at drafting linemen. <laughs> they stink at it. Okay, Jackson Carmen's just the latest damn example. And maybe you have hope for some of the other guys that Deontay Smith will become something or the Denigy will whatever. I don't, they stink at it. Go find some proven veteran offensive linemen to come in and protect Joe Burrow. You have $70 million plus to do it with. And you have other things you need to do, obviously, but I mean, start there. It, well, it, not that you won't see it happen because we have seen them go away from their core philosophy here the last couple of years, where they have been spending in free agency, but they've been they've been so good at kind of plucking gems, and they 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 did get a couple really big pieces at market value. Hendrickson, Reader, obviously Wayne's didn't work out, but it everybody needs offensive linemen. So it feels like they're going to have to step out of their comfort zone and overpay for some of these guys because there, there's not that many really good offensive linemen out there that hit free agency. And we saw it last year. They weren't willing to pay for Zeitler. They weren't willing to pay for Tooney because they were going defense. Now this is your number one need. You've got the money. Are, are they going to are they going to make offers to guys and then just kind of sit on it and not try to outbid other teams? And the other thing with picking – you know, not I don't want to say regardless of what they do in free agency, but if they don't get a a center in free agency, picking thirty first really hits you well there. That that feels like where you could get an interior offensive lineman. That it wouldn't be a reach to get a good guard or a good center at thirty one and use that first round pick there if if you can't get as much as you want in free agency. And a lot of that will depend on how much money gets poured into their own guys. So let's go down that list. You know, you're going to have mm-hmm. the fifth year option they'll take on for Jonah, which is the fifth year option of 2023. So that's that's just keeping him around. I mean, they, obviously there's a, there's a, he's the one guy that you're going to keep as a part of the mix. Will he stay at left tackle? I don't know. It probably depends on where they go in free agency. I mean, if you're going to get nuts and go try to track down a, a Taron Armstead from New Orleans who's a free agent and get one of the top left tackles on the board, if that's the direction you would choose to do you'd have to start thinking about what's next for Jonah Williams would you try to move him over to the right side would you move him into guard I mean what are you going to do there are you going to keep him at left tackle I think he's a fine left tackle uh, and I, I think you're you're comfortable with him playing there as long as you have good pieces around him. But he's not he's not going anywhere. You're going to have him for 22. You're going to have him for 23 because you're going to sign that fifth year option with him. Uh, Jesse Bates uh, is going to be the the biggest name of their free agents. He's you, you uh, we're all under the assumption he's getting the franchise tag, and we know that they're going to be trying to work on a long term deal. This is no secret. This has been obvious. They have said this a million times for months. The season ends. Work on a deal. 
that was the plan way back in August. And, uh, but you know, the, the tag probably will be a part of that and they'll try to get a deal done early. They'll try to get a deal done late. Those things typically happen around deadlines. So you'll probably see a lot of work happen as they get closer to the franchise tag deadline, uh, which will be coming up not too far down the line. And then if that doesn't happen, it'll be the July 15th deadline to keep Jesse from having to play on the tag. We've gone down tag world before. We know what that looks like. Um, free agents. So here's what I want to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna name some names, and I want you to tell me. I have I have mine separated out into three buckets. Yes, maybe no. And the thing is, when you have a team that goes to the Super Bowl and overachieves, and team chemistry is great, you're gonna want most people back. There's not gonna be a lot of people in the the no bucket. But to me, I think there's gonna be a lot more people in there. There was there's a lot more people in the maybe bucket than I anticipated, and it's just gonna be interesting to see what their decisions are. Because to me, I see a lot of maybe buckets in here. As far as wanting back, let's start here. I'll, I'm just gonna go down the top of the list on over the cap, uh, and we'll just we'll go through all of them here. Uh, Riley Reef. I have him as a maybe. If if you can get him at a at a decent amount again, and you you the veteran leadership that he brings, and it, I don't know if if you if you bring back Riley Reef and and you sign a stud left tackle, then that does create the the move for Jonah to move inside to guard, which may be where he's better suited. Um, but I could see too where Reef is getting older. I don't know how much. How serious? I mean, obviously, he was out for a that that ankle injury knocked him out for a long time. They went all the way to the Super Bowl, and he wasn't able to come back. So that'll be something that weighs into it too. So I could see it going either way. Uh, he's a he's a firm maybe in my book. He he's only I have him in yes only because this is under the assumption that the ankle is is not something really serious and we just mm-hmm. don't know that i mean we don't we don't yeah. know the specifics of of how that ankle thing is viewed whatever went haywire with that um if you think he's healthy i think you, you he does fit that when he was out there he was solid he was himself we didn't see age wear and tear stuff if you can get him again for one year and seven and a half million dollars and just re-rack it um i'm uh, you know, I think he brought a lot of good things and serviceability and and no donkiness certainly to that room. And and I, you know, you saw the drop off when Isaiah Prince had to come in. You know, we can talk about Isaiah Prince all we want to. Uh, Riley Reef was significantly better. Um, okay, Larry. Uh, next, Larry Ogan Joby. Okay, so I guess philosophy here is is the big part, or, or just mindset. Are, are we talking? Would be back, should be back. Um, I think they they make up. They're going for it. They're trying. To, yes, they're I, trying to bring them back. Trying to like like really aggressively trying, not saying they're trying and making some bad offer. Trying to bring them back. Yeah, I, I I've got a yes then for Ogan Joby. I I think there will be a lot of teams interested in him after he he, he proved it on this this one year prove it deal. But I, I think the Bengals will make a run at him. Yeah, I have him in. I have him in the in the yes category too. The question will be, you know, how does Larry feel? What kind of offers does he get? I mean, if if somebody sees him, that's the other thing. People are going to want a piece of seeing the way a lot of these guys played, and they're going to come aggressively after some of the Bengals guys. And it's hard to keep everybody. You know, if they're they're going to place their value on what they think Larry Ogunjobi's value is, um, and if 
if that fits, then then they'll get him back. But I don't, you know, uh, there you may see some aggression towards him from other teams potentially, and that that'd be my concern. But I have him in the yes bucket. Um, CJ Uzama, I have him as a yay B. I think he's, he's more more than a maybe, but a little less than a yes. I do think they will make a run. They, yeah, you mentioned he he means so much to this team, that the energy, the culture, all of that. But I. I I don't know. I, I I don't see it as a dead lock. Yes, um, but I, I think the chances are better, closer to yes than maybe. But I still think it's kind of in between those two. I put him solidly in the yes. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I I I I think that they, he he has a lot of value, and they they value who he is as a as a player. He had a great year. He's not showing signs of age. I mean, I, I'm not saying they're going to be trying to sign him up for another three, but I don't know right. that anybody's trying to sign him up for another three. I and I don't you know I just I just see him being happy uh, coming back here at a decent level um, and and playing with the boys again and staying here and keeping this magic and trying to get back. So for me, uh, I just I just think I think that the fact that both parts, both sides will want to be here will be uh, a big a big deal there. Um, let's go. Let's uh, I, I know he wouldn't do it. I'm sorry. I know he wouldn't do it, but I it almost feels like CJ would play for free. Like, <laughs> not even it doesn't even you don't even have to get a hometown discount. It just it feels like he's so much a part of this team and loves it so much that. That yes, he, he he will play for less here than he would anywhere else. Obviously, I would agree. I would agree that, and that doesn't mean they owe him less. I mean, I think he should still try to get what he can get. But I, yeah. I you know, I think he seems like the type that truly, really, un, really appreciates the happiness of location, happiness of being where he wants to be. It doesn't mean he couldn't go. I mean, he lives in Nashville. It doesn't mean if the you know the Titans made him a good offer that he wouldn't be like, oh, I'll go play in Nashville and live in Nashville and try to get them going or whatever. But I think. You know, when you when you do when you are so part of the enjoyment level of one place, I just I, just, I think that means something. All right, let's we got there's a lot of guys here. We got to keep it okay. Uh, Xavier Suofilo. No, no. Um, Josh Tupo. Yeah, yeah, I, I, have, I, I, have I think so. Yes, I don't think it'll be hard to get done. Um, no, it's not going to be expensive. Uh, Kevin Huber. I have him as a maybe, but I think he he might even be closer to a no. Yeah, he's maybe a Nobi. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> well, I, 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 I mean, they, look, they, they, they brought Drew Chrisman back in, and again, again, and I think we saw the writing on the wall and the the things that were said last year, and and Kevin had a good year, and and it was a special run for him, but. You know, I they're they they've been they continue to look for that. I, at the very least, I think you you know sign Kevin Huber to a one year vet minimum, have him compete in camp. It's very similar to kind mm-hmm. of what we thought this past year was going to be from Huber. Chrisman still has to go prove that he can do it, uh, and, and that includes holding, that includes everything before they're gonna actually move on. I think that's he's probably back, and and unless he just chooses to retire, uh, he's probably back in in that capacity, having to go win a job. Um, <laughs> Vernon Hargraves is he even on the team today? As yeah, we speak, I, I do we know that he 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 got was able allowed to come back on the flight after uh, after uh, you know slides and socks and sweatpants and <laughs> amazing. Um, I, I mean, between him and Darius Phillips, there are no stronger nos on this roster. That's correct. That's correct. Um, let's go to Brandon Allen. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would assume Brandon Allen will be back. I assume it would be a re-rack of the same kind of cheap deal they got him on last time. Um, there was not much to it, 1.5, so he should be easy business. Uh, Ricardo Allen. Um, I'd say maybe. I, I think he has value. It's just a matter of getting him at the right price. Yeah, you know, smart guy. They like him, but, I mean, also he really reverted to – a very small role on just on special mm-hmm. teams by the end of the season. I mean, they were putting safety Michael Thomas over top of him in the pecking order and Brandon Wilson, you think will be back. I, I don't know if Ricardo Allen comes back. I, I have him in the know. Um, Bates, we talked about Clark Harris, sign it up. Of course. Yep. Come on now. Uh, Eli Apple. I have him as a yes. I know people were probably a, a down on him after he gave up a couple of touchdowns in the Super Bowl, but he did play well. Um, I, I still don't know that there's going to be. I mean, he was available. There, there wasn't a huge market for him. I think they can get him at a a, a reasonable price, and you need depth at cornerback. He's not going to be your starting number two next year, but there's there's no reason to bring him not to bring him back. There's no reason. Well, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, look, the dude is a wild card. I mean, he's out here talking all kinds of trash and being a a, a, a troll job d bag on Twitter constantly, and like they don't like that stuff. Like, you want to talk trash? Fine. You want like th- there was a distraction element to some of that, and I and I feel like he's kind of been a wild card everywhere he's been. Maybe they started to find something, and there is some value, and you need cornerback depth. and 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 he did only make one point two million dollars, and mm-hmm. I don't know how many teams he's going to want to be on. He does have a connection with some of the guys here that kind of rein him in. Maybe you bring that. It just felt like a lightning in the bottle thing you caught on a run with him this year, and it's not like he's some great corner. I just I I wonder about the the total attitude thing and 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 how much they were tolerating it because they had to and how much they actually appreciated who he was um and and being his own personality because typically when other people have acted like that um off the field it has not been received well so i i it makes me wonder i have him very deep into the maybes i don't i don't know that there's any sure thing about eli apple um jordan evans I guess if I have to pause, it is a maybe, but I, I think it's closer to yes. He gives you value on special teams. Every year we cut him when we do the 53-man roster, and they keep him around. Um, so I, I could see him coming back on a on a vet minimum or even a little bit more than that and, and giving you value, get solid backup value at linebacker and, and solid special teams play. Yeah, he's competing in camp. I mean, it's, I think yep. that's what it is. If he wants to come back here, he can come back here, compete in camp, and, and that'll be the deal. Um Quentin Spain. Yeah, I'm don't I'm not saying start him, but you need depth on the offensive line. I don't think he's going to be they got him at a reasonable amount this year. I think they can get him a reasonable out for next year. Um and I I do. I I I've got him as a yes. I mean, he's getting up in the 30s. He was good. They like his attitude and yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I don't I don't want him penciled in as a starter. I want you to think that you are upgrading over top of him and maybe he's he's your first interior lineman off the bench um is is maybe what you'd prefer there if he had if he starts for you fine like you know i think he's he's got a no donkeyness to him uh he played certainly played 
played well enough to get by and much better than the right side, which is where the real problem area was. But um, I, you know, I, I have him in, in the maybe. Um, to check Kerr. I don't. I mean, I'm just saying he's on here. He's on the list. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, safety Michael Thomas. I sure. I mean, a, a lot of these guys I throw in the maybes because they're like, whatever. It's kind of a yeah. I guess yeah. bring him back on Pete and Camp. He seemed to he seemed to win some people over. I think they like his attitude and and he obviously moved up the depth chart a little bit as the season went on. Uh, receiver Mike Thomas. I have him as a maybe also. Um, I mean, he was in there taking reps, had a catch in the Super Bowl, uh, has has played well as a gunner when needed um, after the disaster in Miami. Um, so I, I've got him as a maybe. I could see him being another just kind of depth piece and come into camp and compete. Yeah. Uh, B.J. Hill, I have in the yes bucket. Uh, I think yep. they love B.J. Hill. I think they, they they love him as a player. I mean, the question is, did a lot of people see him in that role and say, whoa, he mm-hmm. does deserve a bigger role. He should be a starter somewhere. Um, he being, talk about a great, you know, sort of fringe starter interior lineman piece. I mean, he's probably a starter in this league. He's thrived as a role player. He gives you versatility. He's good against the run and the pass. Um, love BJ Hill. I think they love BJ Hill. I think they want him him back. He's not going to cost you a ton. Yeah, one of the best trades in team history. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jalen Davis. Um, I mean, just again, small, insignificant kind of. Yeah, I mean, did a nice job earning camp. He's exclusive rights. Joe Batchy, exclusive rights. Wyatt Ray, exclusive rights. I mean, these are guys they can they can same with Clay Johnston, Trenton Irwin. Uh, Mitchell Wilcox, um, they're all guys that are exclusive rights free agents that'll probably you know keep keep around and in, in some capacity. And then uh, um, go ahead. Well, yeah, the, all those exclusive rights, and then uh, we've got what Stanley Morgan and Fred Johnson as restricted free agents. As restricted free agents, so would there yeah. be qualifying offers made towards either? Fred Johnson? I don't think will be back. I have him in the no camp, um, yeah. and then. I mean, he couldn't even get active as the season went on. I think they're just kind of yeah. done done with that project. And then, um, yeah, Stanley Morgan, I don't know. They might give him a – no, I, I think he'll be back. I think they want him back, but I don't know that they're going to tender him or anything. I think they just no, assume they he, can get him back. Yeah, because he – he doesn't even get an original round tender because he was a, he was an undrafted free agent. So yeah, they'll just yeah. do the first writer first refusal. Uh, rounding then, it out, yeah, rounding it out. Um, we've got Trey Flowers. I think they'll bring Trey Flowers. I think they'd like to bring Trey. Yeah. Again, I've, these are not these are small. This is not super expensive stuff. This is basic bottom of the roster work. But Trey Flowers brought you real snaps, real value mm-hmm. covering those tight ends. They really found a role for him, and he seemed to find a home here. So um, I would assume there would be interest in there. Darius Phillips, there is no interest. He will be gone. Um, and then you get into a few sort of Mason Trek, Thad Moss, Elliot Fry. I mean, they have them, and they're. They're they're in a different category. So those, that's kind of a, a Wait, quick do, quick run. Do we have Auden Tate? Oh, oh, I skipped over Auden Tate. You're right. I did yeah. skip right over Auden Tate there, didn't I? Uh, yeah. Yep. He he's also out there. I, I have him in the maybe. I, I think there's interest, but there, it's weird that he never really got a chance to get back into any kind of rotation after his injury. That all the injury stuff he fought through this year it seemed to. There's kind of a moving on element to that. Yeah, I had him as a maybe as well. I, I think there'll be some interest, but I, I don't think they'll make a, a strong run at him. And 
he, he proved himself as a seventh round pick. I think he, he will get some looks from other teams. Yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, so that that kind of wraps up our just kind of quick look at that, um, and and obviously a lot more to go. We get to the off season combine right around the corner. We'll have a bunch of stuff for you there as we go to Indianapolis. Start talking to the coaches again about the draft, draft prospects, and they they hit the, hit the switch real quick, having to get into thing and get caught up on all the draft stuff as with the coaches being so involved. I mean, it's a tight turn for them this year trying to to kind of hit the crash course on on this year's draft and free agency class because i mean remember they got to spend all of january and february last year really grinding through that stuff and pinpointing their moves so um they're gonna they're gonna have to be playing catch up on that with free agency and all that stuff coming right around the corner trying to figure out who their targets are and 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 what they're gonna do and we'll dive into that stuff right along with them as we get to that down the line but we have kind of done a Big broad brush on it today. We'll have more coming your way as we get get going forward here. But for now, that'll wrap us up. So thanks, everybody, for listening again. Thanks, everybody, that's followed along all year. Uh, we've had so much fun going on this run. Hoping you guys have had that, too. It's It's been a blast. And we have many more things coming your way. And um, so if you're not a subscriber, uh, please do. Again, we got that $1 per month for the next six months deal going on at theathletic.com slash hit that podcast ground if you are a subscriber and you've enjoyed the live rooms everything else thank you so much appreciate you guys uh, come along the journey for us so anyway thanks everybody for listening we will talk to you next time on hear that podcast ground